1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Let's get come crazy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Inciedra Podcast. Going to talk about a whole bunch of different stuff here this week on the show. Um, You know, second round of the playoffs still ongoing. The Toronto Maple Leafs, we're actually recording this as the Leafs and Panthers are playing game four of their series. And Toronto on the break of elimination, down 3 0 in that series. So um, plenty to talk about, even just from the playoff perspective, but um, a lot going on off the ice, too. And and that's probably going to be the focus, really, of, of the episode here as we're coming to you, you know, in the wake of the draft lottery um and really almost as we began recording here today keith jones uh was named president of hockey operations in philly um i don't want to take too much time with with what's going on in philly especially because you know, at the end of the day it sounds like danny it's danny Breer's team as the gm but um quite an interesting choice for president of hockey operations for the flyers
2: uh yeah very much so and i you know it, it, it's just such a typical Flyers move, right? They always have to have an alum in some position of, I guess I'll say power or influence within the hockey operations department. Um, you know, I, I hope, you know, if you're a Flyers fan, I guess, you hope that Keith Jones is basically brought in to be, you know, he's brought in to manage up to the Comcast and do people in yeah. Comcast that are in charge and, you, you know, he kind of lets Breer do his thing. He, he's he's the buffer because um, I, I can't I can't foresee him positively, you know, impacting any of Danny Breer's decision making. You know what I mean? Like if I was going to trust one or one or the other in terms of building an NHL roster and doing it the right way, I'm uh, I'm going with Breer ten out of ten.
1: Yeah, and you know, cuz Breer's been, you know, been doing the job, right? Like he he's been working his way up. He was with Newfoundland. You know, he's been in hockey operations positions whereas Keith Jones has been on television. Um right. It's just such a yeah, it's just such a strange move and and really, you know, a guy who probably would be generally speaking at odds with how most teams build their rosters, you know. Um I, I, I'm very interested to see how this all plays out because it, it really would not shock me in the least if, you know, to find out that, you know, Jones is the type who, you know, values grit and, you know, isn't going to want to look at analytics and things like that. Uh, so yeah, very, very curious move, especially, you know, for a team that, you know, has, I, I'll I'll pause it saying get it, has to get it right, but you know, they're, they're entering a really challenging you know they're they're within the midst of a challenging rebuild. I should say, um, yeah, it's like it's just starting, yeah. right? And, and you know, yeah, with with the new management team, um, so you know a lot of tough decisions to be made here, and um, you know, and you're 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 not only going to have a rookie GM, but now you're tossing a not just a rookie president, but a guy who really, quite frankly, does I mean doesn't have a lot of generally speaking qualifications for the job. Um, I mean, as we've seen with Kevin Adams, has done a fine job so far. The qualifications only matter so much, but um,
0: you know, still an gonna, interesting
1: move to, to you know to to, to be taking uh, effectively a, a TV personality uh, for for this position. So we'll see how that plays out for the Flyers. Yeah, um, I mean,
2: quickly, I was just going to yeah. compare him to Kevin Adams and say that Adams actually had more experience. I mean, obviously it's a he different did. role, but Adams. I mean, you know, we we, we kind of joked when they hired him, but I mean, he—the definition of working your way from the ground up within an organization. I mean, he was managing a harbor center, and then he got out of the business side of the of the, of the franchise and a little bit on the hockey side, and, and took it on. Like you said, this is a guy you're taken out of the the play by play booth basically. So, I mean, he's—I'm sure he knows where the where the offices are because he played for the team, but I mean, he's. The learning curve that he's going to have, depending on what his actual responsibilities are that come with that title, uh, it's going to be a steep curve.
1: No question. Yeah, well, very, very interesting. And, and as you mentioned before, you know, is is this ultimately a, ma- a matter of managing up to the the Comcast uh, management? Because that that could be a whole different ball game than you know really being in the thick of the decisions with Danny Brier. So you know, we'll see how how you know the two sides of that um, work out. Um. Other news, of course, you know, the, the primary thing that, that, that we want to talk about is the draft lottery. I, I don't want to talk much about the playoffs in, at this moment. Um, maybe maybe towards the tail end of the show, we'll, we'll circle back on some playoff talk because there's so much to take away from the draft lottery. Not only that the Sabres are locked in now and at 13th overall, um, but of course the Chicago Blackhawks winning the draft lottery, winning the right to select Connor Bedard if they so choose. um. And, you know, the, the results of this, of course, getting a lot of attention around the league from fans and for a number of reasons, uh, no, not the least of which being Chicago's uh, punishment from the Kyle Beach uh, investigation and, and the handling of that, but also, um, you know, Kevin Weeks and, and the broadcast. And and I'd actually like to start there because you know, ultimately the, the, the longer, more important conversation is the, you know, is the, the side of this that involves Kyle Beach. And, right and and the club's handling of of his sexual abuse but um the kevin weeks thing sh- we we shouldn't go unmentioned because you know weeks has really turned himself into something of a cartoon character uh in recent years he, you know he's he's really 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 playing up like the hockey lingo and hockey jargon um, I would argue more than like John Butchergross does uh, for those of you who maybe are looking for a comparison. Um, you know, he's, he's taken on that, you know, that goofy, um, you know, breaking news thing on Twitter, which I think has been great, quite frankly, but you know, he, he's doing a lot of stuff to to try to get as much attention as he can. Um, and as I said, you know, it, it, it's become a little bit of a little cartoonish at times, um, you know, not, not maybe two weeks ago now uh, during a broadcast during the first round, you know he he's mentioning how a player has has such a great quad package in reference to the guy's legs, and it was such a strange quote at at the time. Just you know he does stuff like that, and I just think it it, it, it makes him look silly, and it also I think makes the sport look silly. But um, you know during the broadcast of of the lottery going to break, he says, "Oh, and here we go with Columbus moving down," um, you know, effectively spoiling the result um and i believe the official word was that the teleprompter malfunctioned, or there was an issue with the teleprompter um but uh am sorry to say i'm not buying that for a second um given weeks propensity to act like a goof i i guess is the best way he, you know he's just a little goofy aloof and um you know he often like wants to you know kind of be playful with stuff and I think he got way ahead of himself, not realizing what he was about to say, and it, you know, he let the kind of let the results slip ultimately.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm trying to decide how I want to word this. Um, first of all, I agree with you on, on on Weeks the the personality, if you will, right, because that's basically what he's turned himself into is a little bit of a caricature, as as you said. Um, you know, he's he he he's John Butchagross with more. More FaceTime, you know what I mean. You see more of Kevin Weeks than you do John Butcher, Ross really, um, especially if you have the NHL Network. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and he's he's likely getting more play-by-play time, or at least heard more doing play-by-play because whenever the. NHL Network does that game of the week or whatever they call it. They broadcast it from the studio, but Kevin Weeks is one of the guys that's usually calling it with like EJ Raddick or something. Um, versus with Butchagross, you have to go to like a specific game on the ESPN Plus package. So um, right. you know, they're both they're both doing um various hokey versions of play-by-play and color commentary. Um you know, weeks for me is not he's not really my cup of tea in terms of how he goes about things. I mean, first of all, all credit to him because he's, he's created uh, a media persona out of, you know, he's Mm -hmm. created a career out of it. You know what I mean? And um, I don't want to say he was really the first, but he was one of the first real players of our generation. I'll say, because he stopped playing. I think it was like, Oh, eight or Oh nine, somewhere around there. So he was really one of the first players in our generation that, that got, in front of the camera, and it has stuck there, you know. Other than like, you know, Jeremy Roenick had a couple of years where he put mm-hmm. his foot in his mouth, and then you know, you know, we know what happened with Jeremy Roenick. But, yep. um, you, you know, for me, I think he just he tries to have too much fun. Like, there's there's a part of exactly, it yeah, where like, yes, it's fun hockey as a game, it should be fun, skills, you know, the skill of the players should be, um, you know, focused on, et cetera, however you want to word it. Um, But, you know, given his platform, especially during the playoffs, um, I I guess I'll give him a little bit more leeway because if you're watching an NHL game of the week on the NHL network, you're you're a hockey fan. You know what I mean? You're actively searching that out. But on a nationally syndicated playoff broadcast, um, you know, you can't be talking about a guy's quads or using hockey lingo because the average person that's turning tuning in is going to think that's weird as hell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not incorrect. And they're going to say, you know, I, I watch the NBA playoff coverage or I watch, you know, Sunday night baseball or, you know, nobody's talking about how. You know some guy's legs look in football pants or anything what the what the hell's going on here? This is bizarre yeah. um so i I get that and in terms of uh what happened during the broadcast you know first of all, you feel bad for him you don't you don't. you don't want anybody to make that big of an error this isn't this isn't a guy saying you know Mcdavid scored when it was really dry sidle. you know what I mean this is a yeah. this is a big oops. And, and and you do, you do feel bad for him, but I, I'm with you. You do not, I, it's a convenient error or a convenient alibi, I guess, if you want to call it that to say, oh, well, it was the teleprompter, you know, he's been in television for over a decade. He knows how things work and I'm 99.9% sure he knew the results of the draft law. Well- and that's just because, the thing. If you read, I mean, knew, for those of you
1: who have or haven't, yes. like Aaron Portsline, and that's going. running, yeah, like a run running blog of the evening. That, yeah, that they came out they after. embed they embed
2: right. like a select few reporters, and it was like Portsline, Frank Saravali, and there was one other person I, whose mm-hmm. name AP. escapes me, but they all yeah. wrote like basically a play by play of the evening, and you know they, they take their phones away, and then there's the select few that are in the studio to do the broadcast show, you know, the half hour after the broad or the hour after the actual drawing that know the results. So like, I'm fairly confident in saying he knew the results. Um, you know, Weeks has not done that many live shows as a solo host, or as a host in general, you know what I mean? He's more of a Studio personality, you know, he's not Liam McHugh. Yeah, you he's know, a color he's, commentator,
1: right? Yeah, he's not—he's not,
2: yeah. not the guy running the show. So, so I thought, you know, to put him in that position was a strange call by the NHL and the NHL Network because you usually want, uh, you know, perhaps somebody with a little bit more seasoning in that role,
1: like Butchagross, for example, like
2: Butchagross, who's yeah. done TV for his entire life um, and has hosted for his entire life. Um, but you know, as somebody who worked in TV for a, a, a period of time, you, you review your scripts. Like if you go on air, your scripts are given to you, and you review them, or at least you're supposed to. Now, granted, an hour before the show or a half hour before the show, whenever he gets those scripts, is usually that's that's less time than you know a normal like news broadcaster is given their scripts but you're still supposed to read your scripts and, and make any changes that you feel necessary or point them out to your producer director and say, Hey, you know, you know, this line, you know, this, for whatever reason, this line comes up before the break, you know, is that how we're going to tease this? Like it should have been caught and it should have been caught either by weeks or the director or the producer. I think it's important to not put this all on weeks, but at the same time, like that, that can't happen. And as, as the guy who says it, you know, he unfortunately has to wear it. And um, you know, there's enough monitors in that studio. He started saying it as like the graphics for the break were coming up. Right. If he was, if he, and, and there, you know, for those of you who've never seen a TV camera, like, there is a live feed of what's being broadcast underneath the teleprompter. So, like, you should have known they were going to break. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, there's I mean, his producer would
1: have been in his ear telling them they were going to break too, go, right? Yeah, I mean, to break,
2: to break. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, because all that stuff is timed. Every segment is timed down to the second because if you're heavy, you have to cut other places. It's very, I don't want to say it's complicated, but it's, it's minutia that we don't need to get into but at the end of the day, you know, he should have known he either did and, and and misspoke or or as you said like that that persona got the best of him and 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 here we are with you know, an awful lot of people saying WTF. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it, it's not a good look for the league, especially um what this particular draft lottery meant for a lot of franchises.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Bedard is such a such a dynamic cornerstone talent. You know, some people are tossing around generational. A lot of people are, um, you know, so like notable. You know, this isn't the Ekblad Reinhardt lottery, right? Um, uh, so yeah, it was a it was a big deal, and it's a big deal that Chicago won it. You know, Chicago shedding their two gen, you know, two stars that defined their generation with the franchise. And, you know, they were preparing to enter what what was probably going to be a, what what could have been, I should say, a pretty arduous rebuild. And it still might be, Um, but, you know, they, they win the lottery. They move up from three. uh, So they bump Anaheim and Columbus down and they are going to now inherit, uh, barring some insanely ridiculous turn of events at the draft, um, you know, a, an incredible, incredible talent in Bedard and, and one that can. Really alter the trajectory of their rebuild, and you know we've we've seen what will happen if if you maybe try to go a little bit too fast with the rebuild, um, you know here in Buffalo, and you know we can probably talk about this a little bit more another time, but um, you know the, sh- the shorthand that you know that the nutshell version is that the Blackhawks rebuild probably just got sped up a bit because of the talent of the player they're going draft, um, but the underlying story here is that. The Blackhawks are not that far removed from being punished and investigated by the league for how they handled the sexual abuse of, of Kyle Beach, and you know among uh, you know among the punishments they have it was a two million dollar fine. Um, you know I don't remember. I, I really probably should have done my due diligence and gone back to our episode when this came out um, to, to specifically listen to what I said um, because you know a lot of the, the conversation in hindsight now is how the Blackhawks didn't lose any first round picks and they now ultimately benefit as a result of that uh, because their punishment didn't involve any, any picks being, um, being, uh, you know, uh, penalized or removed from their, their allotment. Um, and again, that makes it that much tougher. Cause again, you know, you're, as you said, like, talking about having a black eye for the league and, you know, a a team that's so close to such a, um, such a notable uh, negative story, Uh, winning the first pick for such a good player is, uh, you know, is, is really something else.
2: I don't like anything about it. I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know where to begin with what I don't like about it. Um, yeah, it's
1: really, you know, Tyler, you know, it's so tough because, like, when I look back on it, like I said, I didn't listen back to what we said. Um, you know, I didn't tweet much about it at the time just because it's, you know, well, the, such, the, it was such a sensitive story. The, the, well, like,
2: the, go, ahead. go ahead.
1: Go ahead. Oh, just going to say, like, you know, the, the penalty was levied in October of 2021. So the first draft that the Blackhawks could have been penalized would have been the 2022 draft, so last summer. So this would have been draft number two on the heels of, of whatever punishment that they received. So I think, you know, and, and that I think maybe is not important to remember because I don't think it's fair to try to what about this or, or give the Blackhawks any due credit because they really don't deserve a lick of it. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I think it would have been, I mean, really, it would have been an unprecedented punishment to have a team lose two first-round picks, and I do wonder if that maybe is being overlooked a little bit by some people when we talk about this, because ultimately, um, you know, uh, the Blackhawks, you know, I I don't want to say under normal circumstances because this is anything but normal, but like you compare it to the Ilya Kovalchuk punishment uh, that the Devils received, the Coyotes punishment for their, um, you know, their their illegal training and evaluation each of those teams lost a first round pick. So, not by comparison, this should have risen beyond that, of course. Um but at least going by the punishment the league has dished out in recent years of a first round pick being the barometer, I think that maybe would have been, you know, kind of the at the the minimum the ex- expectation um which again would have been 2022. So maybe, you know, that's part of this, I don't know. Um but because uh, again, like I said, You compare those punishments, one first round pick each to what happened here with the Blackhawks, zero first round picks lost, and that's where it gets, you know, that's where it really gets fishy. Um it
2: is an enormous pile of shit. Yeah. That the Chicago Blackhawks had a selection, had an option to win this lottery. There is there is no other way to put it. Here, I'll read, I'll read you a, a statement from Gary Bettman. Mm-hmm. I exercise my discretion to impose the affirmation discipline, which I consider to be more more appropriate given the specific circumstances of this case. That was him giving, taking away a second-round pick and a first-round pick from the Coyotes Yeah, for putting 20 prospects on exercise bikes before they were supposed to right okay you brought up the Ilya Kovalchuk thing everybody remembers this I, if you don't Kovalchuk was a was a free agent he was the free agent and this was before there were the term, basically term limits before 8 year deals were the max right so you could Basically, sign guys for 30 years and there was the back contracts to do cap circumvention, but there was no rule against it. So the devils go out and they sign Kovalchuk to a 17-year deal worth 102 million dollars. Despite in the, in like almost a third of the contract, the guy was making 10 million bucks a year, and then when he would have been retired or or bad, he was really only making like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. Well again this was well within the rules but the league decided well that's circumventing too much. Well it was so it took, was yeah right. So you took you took you took advantage of 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 the of the loophole too much. You know you you jumped all the way through the loophole instead of just putting a foot. So they lost a first round pick and a third round pick. Okay so they lost two draft picks and 3 million dollars. We're doing something within the rules,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that an organization that covered up a sexual assault for a decade got fined two million bucks, and two guys, one of which was no longer within the organization, lost their job. Yeah, and, and you know what's and if amazing? My, uh, if my math all is all correct,
1: is that it, the, the 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 Blackhawks sold enough season? Was it two million dollars of the season tickets? The night of the lottery,
2: yeah, and it, it was up. In, oh no, it was like within an hour of the lottery, they had a million and five, one point yeah. five million per, million dollars, and season ticket sales were up four hundred percent. And I think by the next morning, they were at five million dollars. So they've already made back their their fine, which with by my math, I believe it is four ten thousandths of a percent of the work of the family value mm-hmm so i mean essentially rocky worked wipes his ass with the fine that he had to pay and that's it right like there was no remember there was like the brief clamor of they should really like there were people saying he should have to sell the team right like this was so egregious like that's how bad this was and then they did that press conference where they were you know they were They were kind of pricks. Not really. They were kind of They were pricks to a lot of horrible. They were were horrible in their, in their press conferences. I think they had like a round table or, or something like that where, you know, they, they border, like it was like worse than the, we have more information than the fans do. Mm -hmm. um, That the bagulas pulled. I mean, I mean, this is like, I mean, two, like, like 10 million bucks and two first round picks should have been a starting point. For 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 what the devil for what the the Blackhawks covered up, right? And, and I and I have no like they should like obviously you can't fold an NHL franchise, let alone the Blackhawks as a result of something. But whatever the NHL version of like the college football SMU death penalty was, yeah, the death
1: penalty, yeah.
2: they should have gotten and you know what the coyotes, the coyotes, I mean, no one would ever say it, but the coyotes penalty was part and parcel because the league didn't like John Chica, which is another issue in and of itself. And you know, the devils and, and, and Luland, they literally, like I said, they made it up. And, 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 I really do wonder, like, you know, if they had, if, if, if this wasn't the Blackhawks, and I'm trying to think of another organization with like an owner who's kind of an asshole and 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 none of you know none of them are really coming to to the fore like a non original six franchise so like let's we'll just
1: say it was the hurricanes just for
2: yeah it, it, if, if the sub if the subprime mortgage guy did this yeah. you know, I guarantee you the fines would have been higher because the league makes more money off the Blackhawks than they do the hurricanes. And you know it, it's it needs to be said, although it's very obvious that the Blackhawks winning the winning the draft lottery was the best thing that could have happened for the NHL's bottom line. Well, they're right, absolutely for their for their yeah, balance like, sheet. Like this is this is a home run, and now it's it's. It's kind of reopened this, and and now Gary Bettman, half of his own doing, half of Kevin Weeks stepping on a rake, you know, kind of has to deal with this on two fronts, right? Because Mm -hmm. the league kind of, you know, they they pride themselves on these kind of standalone events, whether they're the Winter Classic or the Draft or the Draft Lottery, they're very important, yada, yada, yada. And not only did they screw up the Draft Lottery, but the team that, like, everybody outside of the Chicago media market didn't want that to win one. Yeah. And and there's, there was no, there was no recourse. There's no, you know, and and this has been like, if, if any of our listeners listen to the Merrick show or listen to the athletic hockey show, like this has all been discussed at various lengths. And I mean, you can tell, which um, you know, which ones are rights holders? Because the Merrick Show and Sportsnet kind of, you know, they kind of dipped their toe in. Versus the hockey show with the Athletic Hockey Show, kind of more, more so, did like a cannonball. Yeah, you know?
1: Dilly went hard on them.
2: Yeah, basically yeah. saying, you know, they should, you know, now is the time to change the the logo, change the name, just do everything, wipe it clean, yada yada yada. Which I, you know, I, I'm certainly not going to disagree with but i mean this is this is not egg on on the league's face i don't know what's worse than egg rotten egg spoiled know, right? fish yeah. like this is this is not this is not good and, and the league's the league's gamble when this took place was that people would forget yeah and to be honest with you had the Blackhawks won the lottery in two years, people probably wouldn't have remembered. hmm But that scab has now been picked and now it's bleeding again. Yeah. Because this really and, and and again, it's 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 of Bettman's own making, part and parcel because he didn't do anything, and part and parcel because he decided to be such a hard ass with relatively, you know relative misdemeanors. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. okay. Like, yeah, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing illegal combine workouts. You shouldn't be trying to get a leg up on your, on your, uh, on your competition. Like understood slap on the wrist, mm-hmm. but like, you know, to, to, to go to a different sport, like the new England Patriots were actively spying on teams they were about to play. Like they had dudes recording their practices the week before they were going to play, and they only and they lost a first round pick. Right. Yeah, I just like I, like that's I, a, that's a far more severe offense than putting some eighteen year olds on an exercise bike. Yeah, and I I think, just, think that's what
1: I, like I keep going back to is like none of these leagues have ever had the gumption to penalize a team that heavily. Right now, and, and as you pointed, like you know, you compare the the recent loss of first round picks and other NHL front teams to, to this. And it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's appalling that, that, you know, how different the offenses were. Um, but I do wonder if that was again, like, and we're kind of rewinding two years now, but like, if that wasn't a big part of it, it was like, no one's ever gone this far. Kind of to your, your death penalty point. Like, is this something that we can, we can or want to do? Obviously they didn't do it naturally because here we are um another thing i thought about like at, in the aftermath of the lottery it was like and again like not that they could have added a punishment retroactively but it, it you know bare again thinking bare minimum here given that they didn't lose any picks like yeah like you keep your first round pick because even like you know because last year they had traded their first to to columbus for seth jones yeah
2: then uh, you're before, not eligible to win the lottery or something you have well, and play. that's it's what i was gonna say is like yeah, you
1: can keep your first round pick then but, yeah, you're not in the lottery draw. You're, you, you know, if you finish fifth, you, you're picking fifth. If you finish first, or you know, if you finish third, like they did this year, you're picking third. Um, you know, you're not eligible to to win. And I think that would have been a, a f- again, we're, we're we're being you know ret- retroactive here, but you know, at at, at minimum, would have would have been you know an acceptable punishment. And again, though, here here we are now looking looking back on all this, and yeah. Like, uh, you know, again, remembering how like the punishment was, and you know, you mentioned like the, the thing that Athletic mentioned with you know the 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 logo, and like you know, again, that's going to get more attention now as well. Like it's just a lot of stuff that the league probably would have rather not had to hear about um, getting talked about a whole lot.
2: So, I mean, I mean, in in you know, not to go back to the death penalty type thing, but depending on 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 the age of our of our listenership here, you know, those that don't know it, I mean. SMU football was basically a really small school relative to their conference. And they were kicking the crap out of much bigger teams. They were like college football Oakland A's, you know, like Moneyball Oakland A's. But they were found to be basically paying players to come to SMU. So, like, they were doing the, you know, name and likeness without the name and likeness when it was not legal. Right? Yes. So... So the NCAA throws the... Yeah, they, they were buying they the bought Eric
1: in a, a Grand Prix or Grand Am.
2: Yeah, yeah. So they were, they were doing some shady stuff. And so the NCAA goes out, straight out, cancels SMU's season in 87. It says, you know what? You don't have a season anymore. Then they say... And they also say, you can't play games at home in 88. So it basically strips the school and the and the team of any revenue for that season as well because you can't play home games, right? And so many people so many so many players transferred out or left because I mean who's gonna stay in a team that can't play? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the school had to cancel the eighty eight season because they didn't have enough players to play. So yep. they basically lost two years And it didn't, it took them 30 years to return to like being nationally ranked, I believe. So it was, it was the, they're still not relevant. And there's still not really anything worth a damn. So, so there's no, I mean, like I said, there's, there's no way that they're going to say, guess what? You can't play home games at the United Center. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But, you know, in the NHL equivalent to me would be like, you know, how long is a rebuilding cycle? Not a Buffalo Sabres rebuilding cycle, but like a normal NHL rebuilding cycle. Because I say, like, you know, hey, guess what? You Three first-round picks forfeited. And if you want to say, you know, if you want to impose some sort of financial penalty, you could say $10 million fine, you lose your three first-round picks, the, your first-round picks for the next three years. You know, which doesn't prohibit them for trading for more, but the one that they own is gone. Yeah. And maybe you say, you know, if it's an eighty million dollar cap, you know, your team is playing to a seventy-five million dollar cap. So it severely limits their ability to compete. Um and, and that's and and that's how you do it. And and I and I understand the argument, well, you know, none of the guys on the team in twenty twenty one knew anything about it. Um Bar like Jonathan Taves, <laughs> Patrick bar, Kane, room. bar 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 everybody that was still there from twenty fifteen. Yeah. Right. Um, and still didn't say anything, which would be the argument as to why I said, Well, yeah. And I would point to those five guys and say, Well, he did, and he did, and he did, and and the trainer did, and your GM did, and he's still here, so you lose. You know what I mean? Like there was a there was a way and as and you said it. Nobody had Nobody had done anything this severe, right? Yeah. Well, well, now that is that not the time to not m- make a punishment that had never been so severe? Yeah, and, and I mean, like and, it just doesn't make sense to me, right? And there's been, been few, if any, any
1: stories in pro sports. That even, you know, can't, would come close to this either,
2: too. Yeah, so. I mean, you're, the only the only stories are, like, individual player suspensions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God, like, Rafi Torres nearly killed, killed the guy so he gets 40 games. Yeah. You know, whatever that is. But from an organizational standpoint, there's been nothing like it. But at the same time, like, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that would merit something like it more than what they did. So it's just it puts a bad taste in my mouth. It's also it's one thing we haven't talked about is it's unfair to the to the kid. Conor Bedard is gonna gonna get drafted there. You know, let's not kid ourselves. So he's gonna go there, and you know it might not be Mark Lazarus. It, you know, it might not be you know one of the beat guys. You know, maybe they throw him some softballs, but I guarantee you at some point he's going to get asked about it and right you know the kid was five years old yeah and and how is the kid supposed to answer that you know hey hey connor you know what are your thoughts on being drafted with a pick that a lot of people don't think your, your organization should have had as a result of of, of the Chris Beach uh, Yeah and, and, and
1: he's going to give is going to be high And he's going to
2: say, "Oh, well, you know, it's terrible what happened to him, you know, but I I really can't, you know, how do you answer that?" Yeah. You're 18 years old. And you know the 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 media officer, the media relations guy like you you can't jump in and cut off that question because you look even like the nobody wins from this. Yeah, it's it's the the league. At the end of the
1: day, the league is the league really has done getting, this to themselves. It, yeah, they, they are they are paying the price for their decision to go.
0: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward, Medela. The mark of a fighter, you've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours. The energy, the tough labor, you are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
1: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So light at the time. Um, And they're paying the price Mm -hmm. hard, really hard. So um, Let's wrap up, though, with uh, some conversation about the Savers pick. Um, you know, Sabres picking 13th, uh, they, you know, they do not move up. Um, and then I think it was a 2% chance to move up anyway. So those odds were very much against them. Um, Buffalo picking 13th, interesting draft class here. Um, you know, and it's, there are a couple notable defensemen in the group. Um, David Reinbacher, I think right now is becoming the consensus number one defenseman in the class. Um, and, and he's a righty, he's a big righty out of the Swiss league. And I, I mentioned that because I, I feel like a lot of the conversations about this pick ultimately will come down to drafting for, you know, to, to fill out the defensive pipeline versus another four, because they've taken so many forwards over these last few drafts. So, you know, five forwards picked in the last two drafts, it, it might be time for a first round defenseman, right? So, you know, Reinbacher, the top defenseman in the, in, in the class, um, it it seems like his stock is, is like going up and up and up. And as a result of, of I, I don't know if it's fair to call this a thin defense class, but at least at the top of the draft, there's not a whole lot of defense prospects. And and because of that, you know, Reinbacher is being mocked by, you know, the likes of Pranman and, and Scott Wheeler. You know, he's being mocked up in the top 10. Um, I think Pranman even ranked him in the top 10, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, there, there's there's some smoke to you know su- to suggest that he's not going to make it to 13. Um, the next defenseman down is Axel Sandin Pelika. Uh, he uh, Pelika, I should say. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, he's he's out of uh, Shelfeta in the in this uh, in Sweden. Um, and then you know, defense wise, you're probably talking you know into the 20s. So you know, maybe, then you're talking trade down if you're having you know if you're hell bent on Buffalo taking a D. Um, you know, looking at the forwards though is a whole different story because a lot of talk about this class being pretty strong and there's a lot of talent in this draft and it's going to be really interesting to see how it all falls. Um You know, without doing a mock draft here, Tyler, um, you know, you look at the, at the draft class, you look at where the Sabres are picking, what's your take on, you know, on where they could or should go with that 13th pick?
2: Um. Well, they have a lot of options, don't they? I mean, this is also the first time in like, I don't know how 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 long 2012. Years, 2012, 11 yep. years that they they've been outside the top ten. So, sort of uncharted territory for the Sabers. Um, you know, you brought up Reinbacher, and I mean that would I think if Reinbacher was a thirteen, I think Kevin Adams would would be running, you know, high stepping to the yeah. to the podium to to do you know to to make that selection, but I, I mean, there's always one or two defensemen that go in the top ten. I can't remember. I actually meant to look up the last time a defenseman didn't go in the top ten in the draft, and I just didn't get around to it. So um, I saw
1: someone mention it. It's like 2003 or something like that. Or yeah, and run the reason, time. And,
2: and the reason for that is is twofold, right? Like defensemen are good, you know, and de- and good defensemen are hard to find. I should say that's probably the best wor- way to, to to word that. And in most of the time, you know, the teams in the top 10, one of their big issues is keeping the the puck out of their net. And, and like, look at this top five, you know, look at this top 10, you know, Chicago was not exactly, they didn't have a great blue line, you know, neither did Anaheim, neither did Columbus. And, the Sabres scored on the Red Wings for fun, and they're at number nine. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it goes part and parcel, with there's a lot of teams with a need for defensemen that can step in in a year or two. So you'll see, you know, one or two defensemen move up um, or or get drafted above, you know, perhaps their, their central scouting rank. Right. Um, you know, in terms of the Sabres, the thing that really intrigues me and really I think just is a player that is, is intriguing a ton of people is, is Montvei Mitchkoff, you know, and that's somebody Chris, that we kind of talked about in passing probably at this time last year, um, you know, with the conflict in Ukraine going on and everything, you know, with, with him being over in Russia, the uncertainty that still surrounds him. But for those that don't know, he's got, I believe like a three year deal, um, with his team in Moscow. um, so he's not coming over right away. And even then, there was a very suspicious, uh, you know, his father, you know, was found like in a pond or something. You know, there's, there's a lot of question marks around Monte Mitchkoff. And a lot of people, myself included, think he's the second best player in this class behind Connor Bedard. And it's just a matter mm-hmm. of how far he's going to fall because of all those questions that surround him. Um, And I'm just wondering, like, he's not going to fall to 13. And I don't think he's going to get past the Capitals at eight who tend to have a, you know, they have a history drafting, uh, being successful drafting uh, Russian, Russian players. Uh, Chris, if you didn't know that, that Ovechkin guy, he's pretty good. Um, But I do wonder, like, given the strength of the Sabres pipeline, if the defenseman that they really want, like if Reinbacher goes, so he goes to Arizona, you know, at six. You know, I wonder if there's any way that they can sneak up to to the flyer slot and get Mitchkoff because, as the Sabers have shown, they've they've had some some recent success bringing over their their Russian uh, draft prospects, you know, getting them signed up. And, and really, the Sabers are are one of the few teams that his timeline would match up. You know what I mean? Like if he's able to come over in three years, the Sabres are going to have their core locked up to what is likely to be big money contracts and are going to need some cheap high end talent. And he would be the definition of it because he'd have to sign an ELC. Um, but that notwithstanding, you know, you're looking at like Oliver Moore types, you know, another big centerman, if you want to go the forward route, Matthew Wood, guys like that. Um, delbor Dvorsky is another one who I've seen like as high as fifth, as low as 14th. So um, I, I think really, Chris, once you get past like the top four, and I think that four will be Bedard and, and Fantilli. obviously are going to, I think be one and two. And then Three or four will probably be either Leo Carlson or will, or Will Smith, and once you get past that, um, you know it's really up in the air. You know it's it comes down to to teams' timelines. It comes down to, to how right. much a you know teams' general managers think they have. Like, like talk about Mitchkov. Like, I, I'm pretty sure that the the brain trust in Montreal has a, you know has time to work with. You know they're they're by no means metaphorically on the clock you know what i mean so i think at 5 you know they'd be real tempted to go there or do they go for somebody who who would provide maybe a little bit of a quicker return on investment you know there's just so many questions um you know to be answered here in the top 10 to 12 of this draft
1: absolutely and you know the the one thing i keep i'm i'm thinking about more and more is Trading that pick, yeah, you know it's it, if there's a pick to be moved, you know, and, and I don't think that they need to be just staple themselves to defense and and you know completely abandon the first round if they can't get a defenseman. But, um, you know, as you mentioned, like with Michkov, like Mitchkov's timeline helps the Savers because, yeah, like in three years they're going to need someone to be able to, to slide in on the LC. You know they're going to have a a far more uh, you know refined view of this forward group than where they are now. Um, you know, adding yet another forward who's on more or less the same timeline as Savoy, Oslin, Roseanne, etc. Um, you know, really just complicates matters uh, for for your club. So um, you know, shipping this pick out to get help on defense at forward in goal, um, you know, all of a sudden like maybe looks a little bit more attractive than it would have, you know, even two months ago. Um because it's and again, it's not that they're in a bad draft position, but yeah, like, you know, it yeah, it's been over a decade since they've been they've drafted this deep. And, you know, suddenly you're not picking eighth where Matt Savoy and you know other, you know, really, really high-end players, you know, Dylan Cousins, high-end players can fall to you. Um, you know, you're picking in a place where, you know, you have a little bit more flexibility. And, and I think that's really, really enticing given um, given the team's needs. Uh, you know, you mentioned Dvorsky. I think he'd be really interesting. Um, the the USNDP kids are are all really interesting in their own right. And you um, have to
2: be- kind of put a star by the USNDTP kids for obvious reasons with the Sabres.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, they 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 love that program. Uh they love the college kids. Um, and, and you know,
2: I'd also not to interrupt Chris, but I also do think um you know, given what they've done um, with the likes of Yuri Kulich, you know, I I think, you know, you, you could see a trend where you know, if player A is is a CHL guy and player B is playing, you know, pro over in the Czech league or in the Swiss league, and all their attributes are the same, you know they are the spider man meme you know they're yeah. going to take the guy playing over in Europe because they can get him to Rochester as a nineteen year old so I think that's something uh to keep an eye on as well you know I think you know tie goes to the euro if you will
1: right yeah, and I think you know the that' really interesting the you know the 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 draft eligibles playing pro pro hockey playing against men um yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's a, again, there's a, just a lot of really interesting players in this, this class. I think, again, like, I think I'm more and more becoming team trade the pick and not just trade the pick for help. You know, I don't mean, you know, I'm not saying just trade it for Connor Hellebuck, but I, I mean, geez, I would be, I would be entertaining trading from 13 down to 18 to 20. And, you know, I, I was just saying, you know, do they need more prospects, you know, get an extra draft pick to play with, but, Um, You know, if Tom Willander is a more comfortable pick for them, I'm just using Willander because, again, right-hand defenseman. Um, You know, if Tom Willander is a comfortable pick for them at 21, let's say, um, you know, does it make more sense for them to trade down, stockpile an extra pick, and pick a defenseman in the 20s? Because, again, like looking at draft rankings, looking at some, you know, different, um, different coverage of the draft so far, it seems like that's where the, the bulk of the defense prospects are at least in this first round. Um, And I, I I just kind of like the idea of putting themselves in a better position with in, in that regard. Um, But to, and I'm not trying to contradict myself because I've been talking so much about defense. Like I am not opposed to them looking at, uh, you know, Braden Yeager to, to looking at Oliver Moore, looking at again, Dvorsky, like, it's a lot of really fun forward prospects and, you know, it doesn't hurt to, you know, keep stockpiling that forward talent. And you, again, you, you, I mentioned trade the pick, like if you keep stockpiling the talent, you're going to have the flexibility to make moves in the future. And whether that's the summer, if it's next deadline, whenever it might be, you know, that flexibility is going to exist. Um, and when you have, it, you know, this would make it six, you know, first round talents at forward all under the age of 20. Um, well, a couple of those guys will be over 20, but like in that neighborhood, um, you know, that's a really unique position to be in, in a position that, you know, it's very, very advantageous.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I, it's funny when you said trade the pick, my first thought was trade down. Mm-hmm. And and, and I, I thought that way because I, I, again, you know, not to use the the Yuri Coolidge, um, you know, example, but, you know, that was a guy that they were able to kind of hold their water on and, and let, let the mm-hmm. player come to them. Yeah. And, and with the way that this organization now operates uh, much smart, more smartly, obviously than they did four or five years ago, I, I would not be shocked if they had, you know, a top 10 rank on a player that they think they could get in that 16 to 18 range, um, You know, whether it is a defenseman, whether it is a forward, forward, who you know, whomever it is. Um, And again, if you're able to add, you know, a a, a second round pick, um, you know, that maybe that, that, that you can, maybe you can kill two birds with one stone, right? Like, like maybe you can, you can still acquire, you know, via the draft, you know, the player that you wanted, you know, the player that you had. High on your quote unquote board at twelve, but you could also go and via that extra second round pick you know you'd be back to three second round picks you could go get a goaltender for yeah. you know say the thirty ninth and you know i I don't know the 50 second pick or yeah or whatever yeah it whatever is. it is yeah you know because 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 i think this is a draft and I, you know i think more and more teams are starting to figure it out at least I, I i would hope after this long that like you know there's a lot of really good players in that like 33 to 45 range you know that 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 fall off the first round board for one reason or another um and you can you can get some real value there so if there's a way to get um you know a player in, you know, with a first round pick, like draft one and then maybe use some of that extra draft capital from trading down to go and get your Carter Hart or whatever goaltender or you know, whatever defenseman that you you know, Rasmus Anderson that you, you want to get, you can package those picks and because you just drafted, say, another center, um, you, know, you you could trade from that, that surplus of, of of prospect talent and, and still kind of have a really good draft.
1: Right, and and I yeah, and, and in closing, I, I agree like, you know, given how this draft looks and how some of the coverage has gone, it really does seem like the opportunity will be there for, you know, it, you know, player A has been, you know, is ranked, you know, the consensus ranking on him is eighth, but because of, you know, Reinbacher moving up or Sandy Pelica moving up or no other machinations within the first round, you know, that guy ranked eighth, all of a sudden is you know, there, let's, let's 12, say it's four Yeah. He moved down to 12. Exactly. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. It's really interesting. Um, You know, it, it, again, like, yeah, it's been a decade since they've been in this position. So,
2: yeah.
1: uh, you know, we'll see how, you know, we'll see what comes of this here. Um, you know, in, in the coming weeks, you know, we're a month, we're just over a month out from the draft. So, um, you know, that coverage is becoming fast and furious here. So, yeah, there's um,
2: always there's always one or two players that will drop for one reason or mm-hmm. another, and it'll be interesting to see if the Sabers can use it to their advantage to either a, you know, take the player that's dropped, or or trade down because a you know a team sees value in them. I mean, Shane Wright was borderline consensus number one. He goes four, right? Yeah. Like, you know, Mitchkov is going to drop, and, and you know, and we it's we're well aware of what his his profile is what his you know if his if his name was matt mitchell you know he'd be going number two um but you know it's going to be really interesting there's always a few a few twists and turns um and and, you know for the first time in a while like i'm i'm comfortable with who's at that draft table to to make the right move it's really nice
1: absolutely yeah no question about it so Let's wrap up for this week. Um, come back next week. Probably, I mean, geez, maybe talk more about the draft even, but uh, you know, the, the, it's going to be, it's high time to start talking about off season moves too. So, um, you know, we got, we got plenty to cover here. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Of course, uh, we'll be back next week with more of the Insider Podcast. We'll talk
2: to you then. So long.
0: After the end of a good fight, you deserve a ice cold reward.